every ape I see, from chimpan A to chimpanzee. No, you'll never make a monkey out of me. Greetings, primates, and welcome to Cinemusts, the podcast where we debate the must-see status of the films included in the book A Thousand and One Movies You Must See Before You Die, and listeners decide if they should be included on the list of essential cinema. I'm lead scientist and defender of the faith, Mike Emmel, and I am very pleased to welcome back my co-host for today's show. You all may know him as the host of two excellent movie podcasts, Best Picture Cast and A Thousand and One by One. He has also hosted our very own Cinemust episode on Chinatown. He is the man who suffers nobody to lay their stinking paws on him. It's Joey R. Joey, welcome back, man. Oh, man, Mike. So happy to be here. So happy to be welcomed back into the Cinemust world. Uh, love it here. So thrilled to have you here. I, I really don't know how you do it, man. You, you carry the title of the busiest guy in amateur podcast. <laughs> you, you run two heavy hitter shows. How do you do it? I don't sleep much. That helps. So I get to, you know, f- fully focus on my family. And then when everyone else goes to bed like a normal person, I watch two, three movies. Well, let it not said that uh, you're not dedicated. Uh, before we get rolling, especially since it has bearing on this little collection of episodes we're, we're doing here, uh, let's, let's plug your shows, man. You've got two. Which one do you want to plug first? Go to the OG, Best Picture Cast. Um, you know, Best Picture Cast, we go through the Best Picture winners. We are currently released 55 Best Picture winners, but we, of the, you know, 95 or whatever there are now, but we do a lot of different tournaments, bonus episodes, a lot of different things to keep it interesting. Uh, have a lot of fun over there. We're all super engaged on Twitter, so, um, yes. you know, at Best Picture Cast, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Letterboxd, the whole nine. Um, and then newly, which as of recording, we're just, our David Lynch rankings is coming out this week. Um, we recorded it a little while ago. Thousand and one by one, uh, myself, Adam Britt. Um, that's at a thousand and one by one on Twitter and Instagram. Letterboxd, uh, super, you know, again, super involved, super there. Uh, there we're going through the book a thousand and one movies to see before you die and we're having a lot of fun over there doing cool stuff as well you're you're doing fantastic um that that lynch episode that'll be you know by the time this drops that'll have been out for a month so everybody please go check it out um you've been covering good stuff man i've been particularly uh, involved with the red shoes episode because uh, we have an episode on that too i love that movie and i thought you guys gave it a fair shake it was really good and I'm excited for a lot of the stuff you have coming up. Seven Samurai, LA Confidential. There's a lot of stuff in there. I'm a little jealous you're talking about, but not me. But 1001 is a big number. Yeah, yeah, it's huge. I mean, we just had, you know, because it's, we did a, it was just a racer head, then the Lynch rankings, and then we went nice and easy into, you know, Roger Rabbit. And then we go th- on just like this fantastic run of La La Land Drive and, and Cool Hand Luke. So, you know, just hey. good cool stuff seven samurais in the middle of there like it's just really cool fun stuff to get into i'm i'm especially excited for the roger rabbit episode hopefully as a companion piece to the chinatown episode you did with us here uh the the honorary third movie in the jake giddies trilogy i'm very excited i guess technically (laughs) second it's even before twin jakes but you know it's like the year it's right before (laughs) yeah um and and i'm i'm totally blushed you're not you're not a part of two great shows you're part of three great shows you have you have best picture cast and you have worst picture cast yeah and at worst picture cast grant and i go through bad picture bad movies we love so much but we also do some cool rankings over there um by the time this comes out it will be about released three weeks ago grant 
myself and Oz. You know, Oz joins us for the rankings. Oz guest here, recent guest here as well. Yeah, last we, episode. Yeah, we went through the 13 X-Men properties and ranked them. Which uh, Grant had spoken of on his Mildred Pierce episode. So I'm I'm unbelievably excited for that. I, in talking with Grant, realized I'm far more invested in the X-Men franchise than I initially believed. Yeah, that's what kind of happens with it too. Because when we did, I was like, "Oh, this will be fun," and then I'm watching it and I'm like having like like making like like tough calls and just like laughing about it. It's I'm excited. So um, everybody, I mean, I I think if you're not already a Joey R fan, you will be by the end of tonight's episode, and you know where to find him. That is a a plethora of amazing content. Uh, I'm sorry for your sleep cycle, but the rest of us really reap the benefits on that, dude. Yeah, you know, I'm well out there, so I'm. You know, I'm more than happy to put my opinions out there. So please, let me know what you think about any of them. That's the fun part of this. Yeah, and you're you're great engagement. Very active on Twitter. You're you're a fun guy, dang with. And so I, I'm really glad you're back, man. Thank you for coming to participate in our little roundtable discussion with the other BPC guys. Yeah, this this was a blast and such a cool idea to come out. I I think it it's really everything about it's been awesome. So you know, the fact that we're here movie i've never seen before somehow um so you know it all really worked out and i think everybody did an awesome job and um hopefully we can do more of these with more you know with some themes moving forward i'd love to dude uh seeing how this winds up you know you're, you're second to last here so we are going to see if we can keep the the mountain climbing or if we're on the downhill slope here i like our chances uh tonight i, th- I think so i think i think we're we're going uphill um, well, well, hey, Joey, before before I'm done welcoming you back, hang on, let me, let me turn over here. I want to welcome back everybody who's listening, too. Thanks, you guys, for, for keeping up with us on this little series here. We're really glad to have you here because we need your help as we venture into the Forbidden Zone to uncover the truly essential movies. To determine if tonight's movie we're discussing is going to earn a place on that list of essential cinema, we leave it up to all of you to cast your votes on polls we're going to be putting out on our social media pages. So if you're not already doing so, make sure you follow us on Twitter or Instagram. You can find us on either by searching for Cinemust. There is where you are going to cast your vote this Friday on the must-see status of tonight's movie. And uh, to help you explain how that's going to work while you're making sure you're following us on whichever those platforms you prefer, I'll give you a breakdown of how you cast your vote. Every movie we discuss on the show goes into one of three tiers. And at the top tier are our namesakes, the Cinemusts, which is a movie you recommend absolutely everybody see at least one point in their life. In the middle tier are the Cinetrusts, which are movies that you recommend to some people, but not everybody. And in the bottom tier are the Cinebus, which might be a bad movie, it might be a good movie, but you don't recommend anybody see it because they're just better uses of their time. So uh, Joey and I are going to be talking about a movie tonight. We're going to vote it in one of those categories. We'll talk it out, but you all have the ultimate say this Friday on which tier it lands in. And, uh, you know, Joey, we, we've teased at it. We've openly talked about it. We are in this rotation with uh, your cohorts at Best Picture Cast with Adam from 1001 by One. You've chosen movies for each other. And uh, your person who's chosen for you is Oz, who was just on our Third Man episode last week. And so instead of uh, turning to you to ask what you chose, we're going to turn it over to Oz to explain why he chose his movie for you. Hello, Cinemas Universe. This is Oz, a former BPC co-host and now a former Cinemust co-host. I had the responsibility to pick a movie for Joey R. to watch and cover on this podcast. Now, there were numerous paths I could have taken for this one. I initially danced with the idea 
pun intended, of really testing Joey's love of musicals, or as we call it, his Gene Kelly. I was ready to choose the movie Oklahoma! Exclamation point, which is approximately a three-hour musical. However, I figured I'd spare Mike this time, and I moved on to my next and final choice. I think I did the impossible. I think I found a movie that many are familiar with, but Joey has not seen. I have chosen Planet of the Apes. Joey loves talking about Charlton Heston, so here we go. Have fun. Um, I love it. I, I think he nailed it. Um, you know, Oklahoma would have been a different adventure, but I think this is this is the this is the route we're supposed to take here. Yeah, and you got La La Land coming up on a thousand one by one, so the Gene Kelly will get pushed. I'm I'm pulling for that one. By the way, Godspeed. Um, <laughs> and you know, Oklahoma. We did, I appreciated Oz, but not the worst thing you could have done to me. Not the best, but not the worst. But I'm I'm excited right. for this. So, Joey, I kind of I kind of want to roll. One with two things. One, he's he, he says he's a former co-host. Is is Oz getting booted out? No, no. I thought I wrote that too. I wrote former question mark, and I think he's just <laughs> talking about because he's not. I don't know. Because I mean, I, he he said former cinemas, and I was planning on having him killed, but like not <laughs> if you guys were going to dump him. No, no. I guess um, you know he just former in that he's been on it in in the past and. I guess he I didn't want to, you know, humility kept him from saying, and future. Oz, I want you back, man. That was a great third man episode. Please come back and go back to BPC too. Uh, but the real, the real question, Joey, first time watch for Planet of the Apes. Yeah. First time. Never. I have seen the 2001 Mark Wahlberg disaster. And I think. Which I want to talk about. Yeah. And I saw that and I was like, oh, this was awful. And I had seen The Simpsons, um, a fish called Selma episode numerous yes. times. So I was like, "Yes." So I was like, "You know what? I think I'm cool with this property." I've seen none of the um, the the new ones, the prequels, I guess. I've seen none of them. Um, this is my first. Like that Mark Wahlberg one really just ruined this franchise for me. Like I just I took away all my interest. Let's just talk about it. Right, like we'll get into the show, guys. I just want to talk about this real quick because I kind of just want to get it out there and then forget it because it is. I, I agree. And, you know, this is not a hot take that the, the 2001 Tim Burton Planet of the Apes is, is a train wreck. And I think you're hard pressed to find somebody who disagrees. But I like feel bad how bad it's bashed. Like, I know it's a bad movie, but and, and here's where I tip my peak in prepping for the episode. And I read the essay on Planet of the Apes in a thousand one movies. Um, they mention it. And they mention how bad it is, not once, but twice in their essay where it's supposed to be about how good the 68 percent Yeah, they really just shit all over it. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's it's like about, in the opening paragraph, it's a like, oh, this, you know, the 2001 one shows that, you know, money doesn't equal good. And then at the end, it's like, here's everything it spawned, including the aforementioned disastrous remake. And it's like, guys, like, just, it's bad. <laughs> Leave it alone. So maybe, maybe it's, I like Tim Burton. I don't yeah, know. Unless, I'm just like, we, we know it's bad. Can we leave it alone? Right. I guess when that came out, so I was like, depending on when it came out, I was like 16, 17. I was like, oh, Tim Burton. All right. Oh, oh. Like, you know, and listen, the Simpsons nailed it as they always do. As they always used to. Yes. This is, this is the prime. Well, every especially FSC. around this time. Yeah. <laughs> Chimpanzee to Chimpanzee is amazing. <laughs> Unbelievable. 
unbelievable. Like they, after I watched this for the first time, for the, I watched it twice for this, and then um, after the first time, I went right to watch that Simpsons episode, and I was like, so succinct. <laughs> I'd be, I'd be very happy to to talk about the Planet of the Apes musical. I, I say I don't want to talk about the Tim Burton one anymore, but I'm sure I will bring it up a couple of times. But um, I don't want to belabor the point. We're here to talk about 1968's Planet of the Apes. Real? Have you seen all the new ones? Yeah. So I'm um I've I've seen the uh, the prequel trilogy from you know our generation in the the 2010s, but um, that's where my extent goes. I have never seen any of the True Blue sequels. To Planet okay. of the Apes. I think there's four or five of them. I haven't seen uh, War for Planet of the Apes or Battle or Beneath. I think Beneath. One of them. like I've I've never seen any of the like the OG classics. I've seen the the Charlton Heston one. I skipped to the Tim Burton one, and then I've seen the ones with Andy Circus. So okay. Quasi familiar, but not with like the the real stuff. I guess you'd say. How about you? Okay. Okay. Nothing. No. No. The Tim Burton one really destroyed this property for me. I actually. So when like those came out, I actually thought the trailers looked cool, but also I just. I didn't care. Okay. Well, more on that uh, kind of in the tail end of the episode. Yeah, um, because I want to talk about more, but I completely give away what I feel about this movie if I make the next state. If I make yeah. the next statement, it will well, kind of spoil a lot of things. Well, let's get into it all official-like, and then we can go where we like. So um, for anybody who's new to the show, Joey and I, we're going to talk about Planet of the Apes spoiler-free for a couple minutes. So if you haven't seen the movie... Hang with us. We'll kind of give you some pitches on what it's about, where we vote it, and uh, from there we'll give you a spoiler warning so you can pause the episode and go check it out if you're interested. And Joey, I'm a, I'm a cruel, vicious lead scientist and defender of the faith. I have my co-hosts do the plot summaries, so would you be so kind, succinctly, what is the 1968 Planet of the Apes about? Yeah, so, I, in Worst Picture Cast, we do something similar to this, so Mike, you know, you've done the best one we've had. But, you know, I, I like quick, kind of s- snarky summaries. So while I tried to Perfect. stay more earnest here, I, I couldn't. It, I just don't have it in me. It's, it's, <laughs> so you'll see. But I, I think Let's it gets do there. crossover event. Let's do it. The ruling class are always dicks who will do whatever to hold on. Finds astronaut George Taylor after spending 2,000 years in space, 1,300 years over the 700 they planned on for some reason. Okay, a bad work day. Um, where are the apes no no just talking about the ruling class i figured we get there with the name okay uh, great yeah all right well that's gonna dive in a little bit to uh my voting point here so uh joey let's let's get into it it's a first time watch uh though knowing you you've definitely done your homework i think you've probably seen this movie more than i have at this point um yeah i've got a little bit bit. (laughs) between a cinemast a cinetrust and a cinebust where would you officially put planet of the apes to be completely honest, I kind of had a little trouble with this because I think it should be a cinemust, but I feel like it's been so spoiled over and over and over that it makes it a little hard to kind of do it to, to everybody recommend. So I, because of just how spoiled it is, I mean, like I said, The Simpsons, I feel like it's been done over and over and over that I landed at Cinetrust just because I feel like pop culture has kind of taken away some of the luster, but I, my initial thought was cinema must. Okay. But officially it's a trust. Um, it's a trust. What are your three, what are your three big reasons why it lands there? Spoilers. <laughs> it's been just, you know, the, I think the big points have been spoiled. Um, Charlton Heston and the makeup. Are, are, you know, yeah, we'll, we'll get into that when we discuss some more on spoilers. Okay. So it's a movie for some folks, not for, 
everybody. Um, so with with that vote, though, comes there is a group of people this movie is for that you do recommend. Uh, who, who are the folks you do recommend Planet of the Apes to? People who can look past the fact that they know how it ends. Okay. So that so that's really it. Like if you're if you're cool with the big famous ending, if you're able to ignore that and just let yourself get into the movie, I absolutely recommend this to you. But if you're gonna, type, well, I know how it ends, then don't waste your time. Okay, great. That's a, that's a pretty big demographic. I think a lot of folks can get over that. I hope so because I think because, like I said, my initial thought, I went right to Cinemust. I think you know we'll talk about it. But this was not super what I thought, but. You know, you have to be able to just kind of let yourself get into it. And if you do, I think it's you know, it's great. And um, but if you're going to be an ass because you know how it ends, don't just don't waste your time and you know watch something else. Well, I, I find myself in a similar conundrum to you that um, I, I like the movie. I've never loved the movie and it grows on me a little more. I've seen it. But, you know, exciting podcasting, Joey. Um, I am calling an audible right here, right now, because I initially yes. had this at a Cine Trust. I am Cinemusting Planet of the Apes. Oh, and, shit. Uh, I, I only need to change one thing here on our agenda <laughs> easy enough. So, so here's my three reasons. I do recommend uh, everybody see the movie. And reason number one is it tackles heavier subject material than you expect. Like, and a lot of it. It's not, it's not like it has one good idea. It has several. Second reason is is really all about the production value, the costumes, the set design, and of course the makeup. I'll make it a must see. And my third reason, I'm I'm going a bit outside the the text here. I'm going a little bit to the context, but I just think that the sheer gumption of the production, the sheer like force of will to make this happen, to make it a pop culture juggernaut, and honestly, I think it ages decently well not perfectly i i just gotta give it a tip because it feels kind of like the last of these hokey sci-fi movies that still had like deep ideas not to say they've gone away but it kind of just feels like the the end of that era because as we'll talk about another big science fiction movie came out this year that really shifted sci-fi in a new direction so planet of the apes feels kind of like the last of its kind so i am i'm gonna switch i'm gonna go cinemust um I am definitely going to be nitpicking some stuff still. I think there's some things about the movie that are weird. The structure is off, but I was right there on that line between must and trust too. And if you're going to rep the trust, I'm going to push myself to the must to try to go to bat for it. So this, I'm very happy that this is how it played out because I didn't love not putting it at must. So I was really hoping you would. So I'm really happy you made that switch. That's, you know, because it has to be covered. Like it's important, and you know, important yeah. such as. But it's big, and it means, and you know, like you said, like the sci-fi movie that has a point to say, but also doesn't think it's the most serious, important thing in the world, also matters because, you know, that's you could just have fun with someone making a point and not feel like you're being lectured at, which is great. Yeah. So I, I hope I can kind of sell that. I feel bad that I'm the champion for this movie because, again, I have a. I've I've been lukewarm on this movie most of my life, and only the last couple of years that I've been like, it's pretty good, and that's still like the <laughs> level I'm at. And I know there's people who gush about this movie, so, um. Anyways, I'm I'm stoked for it. So, there we have it. So if uh, that's about a seventy five percent recommend from us, Joey. I mean, even more than seventy five percent. Joey's just saying like, if you're cool with the ending and you don't just want to be all uppity about it, like go for it, which I think is a significant demographic. So. I think if uh, Planet of the Apes sounds interesting to you, 
you should totally go for it. And uh, it's pretty easy to find because it's very popular. I know if you subscribe to uh, the MGM Plus channels on uh, Prime Video, which I've never met a living soul who does, but if you do, hey, send us a send us an email at cinemas at gmail.com. It's streaming on there, but you get it four bucks at any other VOD platforms. It's two hour movie. It's a pretty good movie night, and I think you're gonna have a good time. And it moves. It, it's 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 pacing isn't perfect, and it it some of the set pieces come at odd times, but the movie moves really well. Interesting take. I want to talk about that in spoilers. <laughs> I, the I'm kind of fascinated by the structure of this movie, and it was one thing that made me want to trust it. But we'll, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Um, Joy, are there any other like spoiler-free things you want to shell out to whet anybody's appetite for the movie? It's it's hard talking because it's such like a spoilered movie. So I want to be like you know I don't want to give anything up, but um, they they knew what points they wanted to make going in and they made sure to get there and i appreciate that like they didn't let things didn't get the point never got muddled i felt which is pretty tough to do with a a lot of the topics the movie covers so i think that's actually pretty high praise yeah no and it and it is and especially there's you know one scene with taylor and, and dr zayas where i think um kind of a lesser movie or people who or writers who didn't trust what they were doing would have turned it into a whole messy thing but so much was said with a line and an acknowledgement of said line that really impressed me and so because of the a few choices like that i I ignored some of the structural issues because i i I think it was smart i think it's pretty high praise i've got really nothing to add spoiler free except that i think the movie is worth it pop culture juggernaut for a lot of the things but i can't really back that up without spoiling a lot of things right. here so uh i think it's I think hard to just dive into it so uh if you haven't seen planet of the apes listener have give us a pause go check it out we'll be here when you get back but if you don't care about having it spoiled or you don't care about having it spoiled uh let's proceed because from here on out we are talking spoilers for planet of the apes cornelius was right doctor he proved it Man was here first. You owe him your science, your culture, whatever civilization you've got. Then answer me this. If man was superior, why didn't he survive? Wiped out by a plague, some natural catastrophe, a storm of meteors. From the looks of some parts of this planet, I'd say that was a fair bet. But we can't be sure. He is. He knew all the time, long before you found your cave. He knew. Defender of the faith. Guardian of the terrible secret. That's it, isn't it, Doctor? What I know of man was written long ago. Set down by the greatest ape of all, our lawgiver. Cornelius, come here. Reach into my pocket. Read to him the 29th scroll. Sixth verse. Beware the beast man, for he is the devil's pawn. Alone among God's primates, he kills for sport, or lust, or greed. Yea, he will murder his brother to possess his brother's land. Let him not breed in great numbers, for he will make a desert of his home and yours. Shun him. Drive him back into his jungle lair, for he is the harbinger of death. I have a question. They were in these, they're so, they, they go in space, Taylor smoking a cigar in an enclosed, yes, you know, 
Oxygen precious environment, yes. Yeah, wildly unsafe, but super cool looking, so I'll, I'll accept it. They're not going to age. Poor Stuart's um, thing fails. How do they grow yeah. beards? Uh, you know, they, they age, but much slower. Just enough to grow beards? Yes. <laughs> okay. So they aged, over 700 years, they aged like two weeks. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, maybe two, three weeks. <laughs> because even the last thing he says before he goes into his pod is, oh, we're not going to age over these 700 years. And they come out, and they all have these like great beard, great to okay beards. You know, he did say they'd been out for six months and he was still pretty clean shaven. So I don't know if that's just a good shaving routine or if it, <laughs> I, I don't know. I Fair enough. Math. But yeah, that was <laughs> like, that's where my head was. I was like, all right, focus. And then poor Stuart just, just, you know, if they would have been somewhat on time, she would have had a lovely life. But instead they went 700 years, 1300 years over and she's dead. Ain't it the way it always goes. But. They did a good job of her body being, like, her, like, de- decomposed body. Like, it didn't look, that could have looked really silly. Yeah, you know, I've, I still find it effective because I remember seeing this when I was a kid on TV and I wanted to check it out. And then, you know, combined with the screeching sound effect, the up-close zo- uh, zoom in, um, instantly freaked me out. I just, nope, turned it off and I, you know, never... Gave Planet of the Apes another shot for <laughs> ten more years. Yeah, and you know, but you know, it, it it just worked because you know they're they're kind of getting up and there's some confusion. So, I, I, you know, because I, I was kind of thinking because you know the apes don't actually come in the movie for like the for, for I don't know half hour or so. Right. And I, was, and I was you know so I was thinking I was like oh what are they going to get attacked right away? So I was really happy that it that that was their kind of first first tragedy of everything and um you know i think it kept you on your toes a little bit okay so are are we rolling on all this by the way (laughs) what do you mean like that this will be like the show oh yeah right just okay great yeah 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 oh no that was a question for this show yeah that's great so like this the structure to me is is the thing that maybe most made me want to go into the cine trust camp because the movie has this very odd structure because in this first half hour, it's very much this Robinson Crusoe on Mars kind of thing. You've crash landed on a planet. You got three days to find life or you're dead. And I find that's a, that's a good story. Like, that's a good motivation. We get the goals. Um, we get the people along the way. We're kind of getting to know a little bit about what each of these three guys brings to the table. But I, you tell me, man, because I don't mean to sound really basic about this. This is nothing that hasn't been said about the movie before, but. Your movie's called Planet of the Apes. <laughs> right. So you're not withholding any mystery here. It's not like the reveal is really going to take people by surprise. Um, Tripod. I don't know if you're familiar with the uh, uh, tr- the band Tripod. They're a parody musicians. Um, they, they have a song called King Kong. It's about Peter Jackson's King Kong. And, and I think the chorus line actually fits the original Planet of the Apes very well because the the verse is all about like I like Jack Black, I like Adrian Brody, and Naomi Watts is great, but I didn't come here to see them. And the the chorus for this song is just "Get to the fucking monkey," <laughs> and I feel like that's that's amazing. I I feel that a little bit every time I watch Planet of the Apes, and and you know I'm a Star Wars New Hope guy. I'm not opposed to 
characters I like just wandering around the desert for the fir- first right. half hour. <laughs> it's like yeah. your your movies, Planet of the Apes. It, it, I think it's okay pace. I don't find it like incredibly dull. I think it could be tighter. I just am. I'm a bit perplexed about why it takes that long because I don't want to accuse the movie of just trying to pad its runtime, but it also doesn't seem to be shelling out too many complicated ideas in that section to warrant just how long it takes for us to get to that cornfield. Yeah. And you know, they spend a lot of time kind of justifying it the rest of the movie with really letting us know why the forbidden zone is forbidden. Yeah. When they really could have tightened that up a little bit. And just kind of, or show us hints, right? Like, let us see some sort of like statue to like ancient, sta- not ancient, but like old statue to an ape. So like we're, right. S- some confusion, like you could have done some things there because I, th- I thought it was good that we got to learn all about these guys and what they bring to the table because it makes the, um, you know, the, the, the part with Landon later on more devastating because, and yeah. Dobbs, because, oh, there's. There could what could have been, but um, you know, my favorite part of the walking was the the thunder. Yeah, like the, with the, with the I thought that looked plate. awesome. Yeah, it did look yeah. great. Yeah. So, but I was I was also you know at that point I was like, oh, I don't know that I'm gonna like this, and I liked what I was watching, but at that point I was like, how long? Like, what are they doing? Yeah, it, it just it doesn't work on a first time watch, which I think is like the. If you're if you're gonna try to you know you can't give away the ending too fast so I get you know we don't want all these statues and things like that but it's like again we know we know what's at the other end of this so let's 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 move it a little I, and I I think the scarecrows are a nice touch that's like it's a good beat of you know that goes that with was my cool. production those value cool, yeah. point that those scarecrows are pretty chilling the waterfall is this great reveal after you've been marching in the desert and and maybe that's the thing is you know to just feel that despair despair to be like maybe right. you're never going to get out maybe this is, you came 2000 years just to die in this desert um it it just like it it makes it hard to say this is a movie i got to recommend to everybody when it's like yeah it's the movie about the talking apes and you're going to spend the first 40 minutes of it following these three guys with metal backpacks going through the desert in great cinematography though really making great use great. of the wide oh, shots of uh awesome. of, my, of my place we're in, we're in utah yeah, it looked awesome. But what about the fact that when that you know they get so excited they run down the hill when they find life and they destroy it. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, they're they are dicks. <laughs> they, they they openly they openly have this colonialist attitude where they see the humans and they're just like, if this is the oh, best yeah. they got, we're gonna just run this. Everybody's like, assholes like, in this movie, except for like two people, which is fine. But um I do as much as they waited too long for the apes to come in. I do love that the first people that they interact with are the other humans. Yes. Yeah, and and I think that's good. And the apes don't. It's right there behind, like that. The the cornfield. That's one of my favorite scenes of the whole movie. Yeah, it's great because I think the apes are because I was also very nervous about what the makeup was going to look like, and you know, I, all I and I don't do as, I, as little as I could do. Um, you know, research, but you know, I, I knew that the makeup was like twenty percent of the budget almost, and I was like, "Oh man!" And then that chasing comes, and I was like, "Oh no, all good on the makeup, all in. This is awesome." So, it, so it delivered for you? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I was, you know, you could tell it's not from twenty twenty three, but that's okay. Like, I thought it was awesome. I don't. I I agree, but I don't find it to be like hokier. Like, I don't think it's still easy to make. Fun I agree. Of. I. You know, I think it still looks pretty. I solid. think it holds. 
it holds up. I think different choices are made now, but I think it holds up. And I think the actors were great in it. And they, you know, I, I think Roddy McDowell really helped them all with that. But I thought it really worked and I was all in. Well, it's it's part of one of my points. It's kind of the, the lynch. My, my, more, my point is about the whole production design. So I'll talk costumes. I'll talk set design. But of course, it's the makeup. You know, the movie broke the Oscars. There is no makeup category, but John Chambers wins an honorary Oscar because of how good the makeup is. And when you read the, or, you know, watch the making of stuff, like it really was what the movie hinged on when the movie's budget was getting pared down. You know, that was one of the like two things that didn't have its budget touch because if you can't make the makeup work, you don't have the movie. And um, yeah, I, I, you know, I nitpicks, you know, I think the lip syncing is still a little off, but it's not even as bad as I remember it being i i think it's phenomenal it's this huge step forward you know there was a few points where i but overall i wasn't even paying attention to it like i was just in it like so really because i didn't think like the main people they were too egregious at any point it was more of the extra stuff and the yelling and the chasing where you've you just kind of saw it and I, I don't know, like, I, I'll, I'll dovetail this, too, that, like, the other reason I voted the cinemas is, like, the sheer gumption. Like, I, I don't have a lot of specifics to talk about the makeup. I don't, I don't have, like, this specific shot where I'm, like, notice the subtleties in the performance. Like, re- really, the pitch here is, like, it doesn't look outright ridiculous. It's not something that as soon as you see the apes, you laugh. You, you buy in instantly. But that's the whole, I mean, that's the crux, you know? <laughs> like, if you can't buy... The ape makeup, the the movie falls apart. So it it carries that on its shoulders, and it's great. And I I applaud 20th Century Fox for taking that chance. That's that's the reason I bumped up to Cinemas is to be like this is a this is a ridiculous movie to pitch. <laughs> Just to say like hey we we've, we've got this movie and we really want to address a lot of like the social and political unrest that's going on, um, but at but at the core it's this pulp. <laughs> idea that it's a planet run by apes it's it's a ridiculous <laughs> premise and the amount that you know the amount of people and incredible people if we look at all the people who are in on this movie like the talent here is top tier it's it's incredible that these are the people who actually believed in this movie and got it made and um a lot of it hinges you know on the story which we'll we'll get into later but a lot of it also hinges on can john chambers pull off the makeup effects and he does and i i think this is a to, to use the phrase bpc in a thousand one by one love this this is a mount rushmore of hollywood makeup for me I, I think like it's it's probably like the next big leap forward after frankenstein yeah for sure and i mean again none of this works if you don't if you don't believe it it just looks ridiculous watching heston react to it I think it's unbelievable. I, I think it looks so good. And, you know, the fact, you know, everybody, especially you spend a lot of time with, you know, Dr. Zero. You spend a lot of time with Cornelius, Dr. Zayas. Like, you're, you're with them. They're talking. They're, they're explaining things. Like, there's just so much different pieces going on that it has to work. And uh, it's really impressive. But even the whole city, the whole city, what, you know based off the Flintstones, based off this art, that art, whatever it is. But like that whole, you know, I, I love that it all comes down and flows. It really makes the escape stuff just a lot of fun. And, um, you know, it all makes sense that horses would also be there with it, you know, when chasing him through a museum. Like it it's all, all really works. That's, that's a call I like too. And maybe that's like what 
because you're not surprised when the apes show up because you know the title, but when they show up on horseback, I think that is such a striking image. I mean, it's so good that like the franchise depends on it. <laughs> so right. That they, they know the power of the image of a chimpanzee or a gorilla riding a horse is pretty awe-inspiring. Super- yeah, it's really cool. And I didn't know that was there. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. Like, they didn't try to make it something else, right? Like, oh, in this world, what would be the horses? They're like, no, it's the fucking horses. Yeah. And it's really cool. Like, watching them, like, you know, with the nets and everything, like, it all, it's 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 super effective. Well, it's a good example of making the limitations of the budget work because, um, you know, the, I, I think, I've never read the the original novel. Which it let's we got a lot of BPC tie-ins that I want to be name dropping as we go. I I did not know this until this week. The the novel written by Pierre Boulle, he is author of Bridge on the River Kwai, the novel. Yeah, man. So this is a this is not just a pulp novel. This is a guy who can write the quality stuff. Um Rod Serling of Twilight Zone fame, he does like 30 or 40 drafts of this script. Um, right. And his version has a very futuristic city that, you know, the monkeys are flying around in rocket cars and stuff like that. And then going back to Bridge on the River Kwai, Michael Wilson, to talk about the talent that's drawn to this weird movie about apes running the world. Michael Wilson, who works with David Lean, who wrote the script for Bridge on the River Kwai. So he has experience adapting a Pierre Boulle novel, who works with David Lean. He's the dude doing the polished final draft of this script. And, um, that's, that's a long circumventive way, but they, they ditch the futuristic thing because the budget's not going to allow it. And they go with this idea of a primitive society. And that's a good move for believability, I think for, for buy-in, because I don't think the command of the sci-fi genre is here to not make that ridiculous. No matter how good the, the ape makeup is, a futuristic city is, is going to age terribly, but a primitive one that's tweaking the Flintstone design, but it's doing things architecturally interesting. That's going to use a lot of things that are going to tie into colonialism themes. Uh, to call it out, like slavery is kind of a topic that revolves or the story revolves around that makes the movie so much more interesting. So they made this lack of budget really, really work for them to say, yeah, we're not doing flying cars. We're doing horses because that makes the movie endear or endure. And it's so smart because when he could find, you know, as he starts communicating, they're able to make fun of him for like, okay, no, flying's impossible. And he's saying he's been in space for 2,000 years in a plane that crashed in space. Yeah. Like, you know, it, it just, it works on so many extra levels um, that it just, it's just the correct choice. Some super silver, like silvery future land would look insane right now. Yeah. With thin looking alloy and stuff like, yeah, we, we need that st- dirty looking rock and not to say the sets are always airtight you know you'd you'd expect to see a lot of this on like a tv set yes Um, but the the city is so striking you know that amphitheater where we we find out what happened to landon and and uh you know the chase through the town where they're they're hoisting him up in the net and we get the we get the great line It, it all just is so striking it fits within this pulpy 50s flash gordony kind of adventure but it works. It doesn't lean too far that way. I think the costumes do the same thing. Like, you know, every there's a set of like three basic pros, you know, costumes, you know, the, the orangutans wear the same thing, the chimps wear the same thing, the gorilla wears the same thing. That reinforces, you know, this commentary on social classes and caste systems and things like that. But they they just kind of pick like the right three costumes 
to to still make it work to sell that there's a society at work here that it's not just i'm wearing aluminum so it's the future and you know having heston and the other humans in like loincloths or you know oh he he used a blanket is much just more visually you know visual storytelling versus all the apes are in these like futuristic and the slaves are in futuristic stuff like now they're all just wearing this like pleather nonsense that does not look good 40 years later so speaking of hess i have two questions for you one was was oz being sincere do you actually enjoy talking about charlton heston well we 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 spent a lot of time together talking about the greatest show on earth which (laughs) um we were not nice too because it, it's well, bad. Or should you be? Yeah. <laughs> so um, you know, but I'm I'm higher on him and Ben Hur. Um, I think this is my favorite uh-huh. Heston. I really like him here. Okay. Well, well. So this, I I told Oz this at the end of the Third Man show last week. Um, I don't like Charlton Heston, and and honestly, devoid of anything in his personal life, I. I usually try to give every actor a fair shake. I don't usually begrudge, you know, you know, my, especially my, a couple of friends, you know, they have actors that like, oh, they're in this pass. I'll, I'll give it most people a fair shake, but Charlton Heston, I struggle with. And, uh, I was grateful to Oz for picking this one because I was like, I can do Planet of the Apes. Like I can bear him in Planet of the Apes. So my second question was, how do you think he does? I think he does a good job because I think there has to be a gruffness to him. Um, you know, they call him bright eyes, but he also has to seem kind of kind of dumb too. Like he has to seem smart and competent while dumb. And I think that's kind of Heston's gimmick, sort of. I don't think he realizes that's it, but that's how I kind of take him. <laughs> like this kind of gruff, you know, charismatic guy who's, you know, Thinks he's smarter than he is, but that confidence really allows him to move forward with things. Yeah, I I think that's why the character works for me too, is because he's openly a dick. You know, his his whole his whole thing is built on this nihilism that he hates his own kind. He he kind of ran to space to escape from people because he felt no kinship with them. Um, he, again, like I I can never pinpoint it. He's just never really clicked with me, and this one works for me one because the character is supposed to be gruff and a jerk and. You're not supposed to totally like him. And also, you know, a good chunk of the movie is him, you know, being shit on. (laughs) He's being being captured. You know, he's on he's on trial. He's not being taken seriously. Like he's he's kind of put in this corner and there's a I get a little sick fantasy out of that. And even the movie ends like putting him in kind of the darkest place imaginable. So that makes me sound like a bad person. You know, just Charlton Heston. I just never understood how he got to movie stardom. And I've I've been told I I enjoyed a a screening of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid many years ago where I was the only person in the audience under 75 and I got treated to an entire row of octogenarians talking about how awesome his butt was which honestly and unironically one of the best conversations I've ever eavesdropped wow. on in the movie theater. <laughs> that's, and that's uh, really I think it fun. comes from this movie cuz we get to see a lot of Heston booty here. Yeah, there's there's a lot of them. There's a lot of him, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm I've always, I'm always very torn on the Heston thing, but this this is my favorite Heston. I'm, I'm I get like it makes the most sense here, where you know like the greatest show on earth. Like I'm pulling the circus together, and we have Jimmy yeah. Stewart in makeup for some yeah. reason, and you know Ben Hur just you know really good until after the you know um 
after the chariot. You know, up until the chariot yeah. scene, it's great. Then after the chariot scene, is just like, let's keep making movies for some reason. But, um, you know, it's like, he's like Ben Hurd, more like, all right, this guy's a movie star. Like, we're not looking at acting. Like, and I, I feel like there's right. more here. Well, hey, one best actor for that. But, and you know what? To, to give the guy credit and to go to my point about the gumption and the kind of surprising amount of talent involved, like, he was passionate about this too. And, you know, this is 68. Like, he's, he's a big deal. He's an Oscar winner from Ben Hurd, you know, 10 yeah. years prior. Like, this is not the type of movie you expect a huge movie star, an Academy Award winner like Charlton Heston. But this wasn't the paycheck for him from what I've researched. Like, he actually was like, this sounds like a pretty interesting movie. Let's do it. Yeah, which is really funny. But you know what? He, he made it happen. And you need a name. You know, for ridiculous ideas need names. Yeah. So I, I will give him credit that I, I think he, he was one of the key figures here to help really get this thing moving. And I'm with you. This is easily my favorite Charlton Heston. Because also I think um, it invites poking fun out of the little, you know, like we've said, you know, it's not a movie you laugh at, but like at the same time, it's not a movie that's taking itself super seriously. Like it, it wants you to have fun. It knows it's very pulpy. So, you know, the, the best line of the movie, the, the all timer, get your stinking hands off me, you damn dirty ape. It's, it's so overwrought and that's the fun of it. You know, you're not supposed to, it's not Moses. You're not supposed to be taking him seriously. And I think that's a good angle for like in Charlton Heston for me. I agree. I think I think it works. And there, you know, that line and because I kept wait, waiting for because the the silence part was just like a funny bit for a while that also I think went on a little too long. But the payoff yeah. of that very famous line that I've seen Troy McClure do so many times in my life was really good. Yeah, I I also if we're in the nitpick nitpick zone as BPC has um. You know those times you just get shot through the center of the neck and you just like kind of casually just fall down. It kind of just really throws you for a loop. Right, you just lose your voice for a few days. Yeah. With every, no 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 exit wound. Yeah. No. Every June, man. Yeah. Just got to <laughs> re up those vocal cords just by getting shot in the neck sort of. <laughs> yeah. Um Th- this is I'll, a movie I'll... where if you do go nitpicky it falls apart at times. Like oh, yeah. you, you have to be have, real friendly with the nitpick zone here. Have some fun, yeah. Um, I mean, all seriousness, Charlton Heston is one of your three reasons. Um, and and I, I didn't I didn't get a read on if that's for, for the better or for the worse. So, is there anything else we need to talk about with him? For the better, because I think this was a role that needed a movie star more than like an actor. Like I don't need mm-hmm. some guy. Like I don't like I don't need to hear the stories about method acting behind the scenes of planet on the apes <laughs> right right like this needs to be a charismatic force and that's how this works right like if there's stories about how he wouldn't talk to the orangutans because he didn't feel and he was only wearing the loincloth and uh, he wouldn't speak when they were filming the scene like shut up like we don't need that nonsense here like get out of my face like that's not what this movie i don't like that anyway i think it's just fucking loser behavior and <laughs> But, but Daniel, I think Daniel Day Lewis here yet. Yeah, no, he's a. I, listen, his acting is amazing, but you know what? His movies are kind of forgettable. So you know what? Maybe if he, oh, wa- if people, maybe if people wanted to be around him better, they would be able to cast better around him. Well, maybe, but um, maybe he'll be in the next Planet of the Apes. Yeah, and they would probably be terrible because it would just be a really good performance, and everyone else would just kind of be there while he's doing annoying shit. But this is a great, like, just strong. 
movie star role, and I think Heston was the great choice for it. Yeah, it's hard to imagine somebody else in the role. He's good. Do you have a favorite eight performance? I do. Um, I got, I want to make sure I, Kim Hunter as Dr. Zira. Okay, she's pretty awesome. Talk to me. Yeah, so the animal, you know, the animal psychologist and coming in, pulling her fiance into it, like getting, just building. And I, you know, because this is such a structured world and her willingness to go against the structure, right? She's a scientist in a religiously structured world. And um, she's, she's, there's, there's a pragmatism to her where she understands what it is, but also her just knowledge and just her, her, her soul almost where she knows something else has to happen and she can't just let it go. Like, I really think that that under makeup should have, should have been lost. And I, I think that comes from her. I think, she, and think she did fantastic. Um, you know, I, Roddy McDowell, great. Um, Maurice Evans, great, but I, I think her performance is the one that left me, like, le- stuck with me, because I, I think just everything we know about that world and what she was able to do, the fact that that all came through is 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 really impressive. Yeah, I think she emotes best through the makeup, for sure. There's there's definitely, she's kind of like the heart of the movie. Um, yeah, I, I think the big three are all great. I, I like her juxtaposition with Cornelius, kind of the more pragmatic but still idealist. I, I think Maurice Evans is mine just because I find Dr. Zayas very fascinating. I, I play that game like I wonder if things had gone to plan and Edward G. Robinson had played that part, if it would be even better. I actually kind of tend to think it wouldn't. I think he's maybe a little too kind-hearted. It's pretty ironic because he's famous for playing hard-edged gangsters. But um, right. I, I think Maurice <laughs> Evans actually does a really, really good job in that role. Uh, cause you, you hate him, but you kind of get where he's coming from, but you know, you, you kind of empathize with your villain a bit. Yeah. Which you need to do to make a good story, right? If it's just bad to be bad, it doesn't make sense. But earlier in the spoiler free, I talked about, you know, a line and at the end when they're at, when, you know, Dr. Zayas and Taylor are going to going back and forth about, you know, the Cornelius's findings and Zayas talks about how, you know, he's the science guy and, Taylor's like, well, you're also the religious czar, so what we you know which lens are we using? And like that could have been such this like exposition long speeches, but instead, like that line told you everything you need to know about where decisions are coming from. And I thought that was a really cool choice. In a movie that they padded the runtime early, but they then they could have they could have talked themselves into making that like a whole overblown thing but they let you know that yeah no they're they're discounting things because they have to keep it this structure and fucking great yeah so first time watch i was going to ask were were you surprised that the movie kind of tack tackles the heavy subject matter that it does was there anything that kind of took you off guard to be like whoa this movie's like about this oh yeah all of it i thought it was just going to be apes in charge humans now are animals and that's it i did not think they were going to have I thought it was going to be like a fun, fun, like whatever. And then <laughs> it had a voice and I appreciated that because it was not what I expected. Uh, Troy McClure didn't prepare me for that. <laughs> yeah, well, they, you know, they tend to gloss over that. There's not a great song about um, class structures and uh, infringement <laughs> of religion and science and vice versa. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it doesn't it doesn't really like translate to a real toe tapper. Yeah. Um, and 
and I, I haven't seen the sequels, but even like the way when he lets Taylor and Nova go off, like, you, you know, the, you know, there's the big reveal, but it's also like, well, yeah, he's going to find a lot of other stuff and they know exactly what's there and they've used so much and they use the religion to hold people. And it's just, it's saying so many different things and it's, but it's also not like, you know, one of these things that says something that's just going to offend people who think a certain way. Like, it's just, you're, you're able to see every side of it. Yeah, and I to to say some nice things about the structure because I've said I think I think it's weirdly paced. It kind of goes and starts and stops. Not to say the movie's boring. I just think it's it's hard to recommend to folks. But I think the end is pretty gutsy. To um, you know, Zeus Zeus wins. You know, Cornelius and Zira are gonna get court not yeah. court martial. They're, they're gonna be tried for treason. Heresy. You know, like Heresy. like Zeus, yeah, and um, you know, and then Taylor goes off and he he finds no truth that will set him free you know he, he finds utter despair <laughs> and, and nihilism and you know i'm just like wow like for for a movie to end on that punch is really something you, you do have to sift through some stuff but i i i am kind of blown away with that by like the, the fact that you know zayas never comes around you think taylor's going to show up and be this advanced person you know, he's from the past but kind of from the future because his society was more technologically advanced and then, you know, to kind of see that the time is circular, that this primitive culture survives because Zeus is allowed to oppress information. And, you know, he plays that game of mixing his faith with his science and he does things for what he perceives to be the greater good. But who is he to decide? And, and I again, I really wish I'd seen the other like straight sequels to Planet of the Apes to see if these ideas develop more. Because I find that very interesting. Again, and in like you said, in the movie that's supposed to be about like topsy turvy, right? Now the humans are in cages, crazy, right? Um, which, which I think is still a good commentary too on just being humane. <laughs> you know how right. how people have treated animals and to be like, oh, how do you like it when it's you? How do you like having the hose turned on you? How do you like being selected to mate or to be neutered? Get, yeah, we're just gonna neuter you. But yeah. what it, what if we could communicate with animals? What if we didn't just dismiss them as stupid? Right. And, you know, but that's that goes kind of the back. Like, everybody sort of sucks in here, and that's okay. And, you know, they're all doing, they're all making decisions for whatever reason they're making decisions, right? Whether it's leaving Earth for, you know, because what, what do they say about Dodge? Dodge would walk naked into Volcano if he could find something out that nobody else knew, right? Like, his motivation, you know, and Taylor's just complete, lack of connection and just hatred of humanity and then Zayas you know being the kind of holding the weight of the society on his back and you know not trusting people to be able to see the truth and what that could mean and you know and and the hold it has on society like there's so many pieces going on and I think that's where Dr. Zira really is so strong at understanding there's more going on with having no idea what more going on is. I've always kind of nitpicked the movie for saying like, I think it's trying to do too many like big ideas and it doesn't go deep enough on any of them. And and that was kind of a point I was originally going to stick to was like, I think the, I think the commentary needs to be more rewarding if the structure is going to be kind of all over the place, but I still am just like, ah, you know, but to, to fit this into the topping monkey movie is, is good. And I, I think it, it grips you right away too. I'll give Charlton Heston some credit again. You know, those first lines as he's kind of just doing the log and you just like, like you said, it's super hokey. He's smoking a cigar 
in a cockpit hurtling <laughs> through space. It's like, oh my gosh. But you know, then as as he kind of goes and he's explaining, you know, the pseudoscience of how the time dilation is going to work so the end makes sense. But um, you know, when he starts going into that monologue about, you know, time is bending, space is boundless, and I feel lonely and I one question bothers me is is the glorious paradox of man still making war against his brother. I'm just like that is actually kind of lyrical and beautiful. And I'm already like, shit, is this movie like deeper than I give it credit for? Is it more than just the talking monkey movie? And it is. Yeah. And I, 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 the, I finished the, the, the first watch and, um, no, I watched the Simpsons, like I said, and then I rewatched that speech again because it really pays off throughout the entire movie. And, um, then the second time I really watched it through, it really hit. And I was like, oh, man. And that makes the first kind of half, 25 minutes, half hour so much more palatable knowing that there is, you know, a payoff in what time looks like and everything. The, that's just, it's just a first time kind of it's disorienting. Yeah. And subtly tucked in enough. Now, now, you've mentioned it that, you know, even before Planet of the Apes, you knew the ending. I, I think it's hard not to know at this point it might be the like most famous twist ending of all time right um yeah that or uh what the the, the, i see dead six yeah six cents and i i think six cents works a little better for me but i I can't argue this is an alt let's go back to mount rushmore this is a mount on the mount rushmore of twist endings for sure yeah for sure um but the, the spoilers thing that's one of your points and again it was kind of i wasn't sure if this was a positive or a negative here so so why don't we we talk about it what about the spoilers made it one of your key talking points yeah the, that's really the big reason it went from must to trust for me just because it's so spoiled that i i i can't imagine a person over like i don't know 20 watching this who's never seen it before who does not know how it ends yeah and i think that that's tough because you really have to ignore a lot of different things knowing that ultimately the entire space mission for 2000 years was for nothing. Yeah. <laughs> like it was just a literal <laughs> waste of billions, well, billions of dollars and four people's lives and four families, well, three families, I guess Taylor didn't care um, for all this to, to do nothing. And really, I don't know what the actual goal was because nothing could be accomplished. Whatever information they get was for, generations and generations of the future so i I guess that point doesn't matter at all but whatever point was supposed to be there is now not there nitpick for a second there also what's their plant generations to come he he overtly and and this speech does not age well but that um who who's our astronaut that we lost in the wonderful mummy aesthetic stewart was gonna be the new eve it was like that was your plan you're gonna have three guys and one woman. You're gonna colonize and populate another planet, right? Like, it doesn't make sense. Like an unfair burden to put on her. Like, there's there's a ratio that's off here, guys. And also, um, it from his description, it sounds like that's like her entire job. And I'm just like, oh my god, right? Like they it's couldn't the have 60s. had these. Like, like they couldn't have had one problem working through the desert that she could have solved. Like, oh, Stuart right, was here. Right. Like, just one one sort of thing. Like, yeah. That was, you know, you so got, you've got to be qualified for something to be on that shuttle. Give her, give her some credit. Don't put her there just to die, which sounds like a fate better than what was in store for her had they made it. So, 
Well, that's the thing. Like, she she won. Like, that would have been terrible. But anyway, but like, you know, really breaking that down is fine. But if you know right away, even whatever the purpose is supposed to be, whatever insanity, if you know that the purpose of it is for nothing, you have to really buy, be able to buy it and ignore right. that. Okay, so I'm with it a little bit just because it's fitting the Cold War commentary that the whole point is just like, we're a technological wonder. There's nothing mankind can't do except we can't get along and we're ultimately going to blow each other up. It's, it's a decent sentiment. And I appreciate like the nihilism the movie ends in. And that I image of the yeah. Statue of Liberty on the beach is, Blown is an all time. It's great. All-time. It's, yeah. it's amazing. Um, and I, I don't know how you feel knowing, knowing where it goes. I think it's threaded delicately enough. I think especially when they go in the cave, it starts to get, a little too heavy handed that you can get very ahead of the reveal. The image yes. of the statue is just so striking. But I think for the most part, like the time stuff, I don't think gives it away right away. If you're seeing this in 68 and I, I really feel like the thing that best helps this work is if you're a twilight zone fan, because this, you know, a lot of the structure, I know Michael Wilson read it a lot of the script, but it, it still very much feels like a Rod Serling script because it, Oh, if the yeah. Twilight, I mean, the Twilight Zone does have a movie. Um, half of it sucks and half of it's great. But if you know, this this is the real Twilight Zone movie. If you're going to stretch an episode out to two hours, like it is Planet of the Apes, and I this this is the game that they play. That you know, you kind of abide by the the core conceit, and you need to do some like metaphysical gymnastics. So the the meta conceit is just the topsy turvy thing that apes are in charge and humans are, you know, the mute defenseless animals. And you know, I think if you've you're a Twilight Zone fan in the late 60s. You you buy into that enough that, uh, you know, the the ending you don't really see coming. Uh, but in our day and age, yeah, it's it's not flying. So I'm with you there. Yeah, and uh, the cave scene I actually like because I, I think it, while it, knowing the ending, it's heavy-handed. If I had no idea that was the reveal, as they're going back and they're like, well, now on this level, now they're even more advanced. How is this happening? Like, I think it's just, it's super interesting just... Knowing what you're about to see in 15 minutes makes it like, all right, well, we're there. And I think that's why the Zayas Taylor stuff is so good here because it makes it make it pays it off in a way that I think without that, that would have felt real heavy handed. Yeah. And, and, you know, the movie can definitely dip into the heavy handedness. But again, I think it's that is helped by the fact that it knows it's also pulpy and you're not meant to take it totally seriously. So right. They kind of did themselves a favor that they kind of get to have their cake and eat it too. And that's pretty hard to pull off. Yeah. And I, I, I do think they, they do a good job with it and, you know, blowing up the archeology span site is, is, you know, it's, it's heartbreaking even though you know it's coming and what happened, but it's just, you know, where man, like you said, the, the bad guy wins here, which this movie does not get credit for because that's you know but that's more of a old school thing right the bad news bears lost yeah yeah that's definitely um kind of the late 70s and the 80s start not to say it doesn't exist there's plenty of movies that still pull this off it's it's not the norm though especially not something that's like a pulp pop culture uh, right. pop culture juggernaut and it's you know which Planet of the Apes did very well like people actually got excited about it which was great too and yeah, again, I, I just, the more I went into the making of, the more I'm just like, the talent behind this kind of surprises me. Because, you know, even even Franklin J. Schaefer, who, um, I'm, I'm not a expert on Franklin J. Schaefer and not like he is one of the all-time great directors, but, you know, this, 
this starts off a good um, three run for him because he has this. His next movie, he's going to win an Oscar for, and you guys will get to talk about on BPC. He's going to do Patton. Yeah, that's um, coming this season. Yeah, so he's he's going to nail it with that. And then um, I know he has a movie between it, but then he's got Papillion, which I think is also in 1001 movies. So It is. You know, the guy who did Patton also did Planet of the Apes, and he had passion for it. Like, nothing's a job for hire. They they believe in the message. I. And I think, you know, again, I think they're trying to comment on a lot of the, the civil unrest, the disillusionment um, with the era that's really going to get tackled um, in films in the 70s. And I just like that they, they nestle it and still like, yeah, but it's still kind of Forbidden Planet-esque. Like, we're still having a little fun. You know, we know you came here to see the apes and we're going to deliver on the apes too. But there's a lot in the movie that is downright unsettling and horrifying, you know, the lobotomizing land and the the ending oh, with destroying man. the evidence the fact that you know the, the truth is suppressed and this this idea that zayas is actually kind of right because he tells taylor like don't go out there you're not going to like what you find which is kind of i feel like this anthem to folks who are disillusioned with social structures and the government and people saying like hey don't go digging too deep like you're you're not like the white hat cowboy crusading for truth. Like it's gonna get messy. You're not gonna like the ugly truth that you find. Um, and I know what's in. there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I like I like the movie. <laughs> you know, I still don't love the movie. The structure is weird to me. It's weird. Um, I I think some scenes go in circles, but then there's stuff I just enjoy the crap out of the you know the tribunal scene. Um, this this idea of testing justice. When um, you're trying to have a scientific discussion, but your science is mixed with your religion and your politics, you know, what happens when all that melds together? And boy, what would it be like to live in a society where that was the case? Um, It's impressive to me. It's not what you expect when you walk into the movie. I don't think it nails it, but I give it credit. It's, It's one of those like, holy crap, man, like points for giving it your all and really nailing a lot of it. Let me, let me ask you. We haven't really spoken about her yet. What's your where, Nova? Uh, <laughs> it's 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 back to this Stewart thing. It's it's it just doesn't age well because it just kind of puts her in the place of the domesticated woman, and her her role is to soften Taylor to the idea that maybe humanity's okay, and and never really earning it. And and the thing is too is is I think that the movie actually is kind of aware on this meta level because he openly says a couple times like well you're the only girl in town so it's it's not like he sees something in her it's just like well you know i don't like people but i damn sure don't like apes so you know what let's maybe humans are all right i think i love you Uh, i don't know what's your read on her oh it 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 was at times i was i was like oh i really don't like this and that was kind of the stuff that took me out of it because you know, like, I, I'm just, okay, they, this is what they're doing, right? Like, oh, we want them to breed. They, they look great. <laughs> I don't know, his always keeping her around, uh, you know, when, oh, she wasn't part of the deal. Oh, Taylor said she had to come. Like, there's just so much of it where it's just like, you know, this, this guy who just left because he had no attachments, all of a sudden finding an attachment, right. like, it just, right. it, it didn't work, and... You know, her, I think if he was on the horse by himself at the reveal, 
it would have been like 10 times more devastating instead of just a confused person who's never going to able to under- explain it to because yeah. they can't speak. Like, right. Like, I, I don't know what happens in the, um, in the sequel, but I, I know, you know, her, the, the two of them are in it and especially her, but you know, it's going to take the next 15 years for you to help develop enough language to be able to explain what that is. And what we know about Taylor, I mean, he'll, go into a space sleep for 700 years to get away from people he's bored of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's, 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 it's a, it's just a thing. I, you know, movie needs a romance. And I, and I think it's also supposed to tie in that if he's been about this whole, uh, biblical allegory that, you know, they were, they were these settlers and Stuart was the new Eve. Well, now we, we have this like literal Adam and Eve riding along the coastline. And I, I think it's kind of meant to maybe soften the nihilistic blow at the end that, um, you know, what's happened, happened. Humanity does what humanity does and destroys, but you know, you, you have this chance to build again is is kind of the insinuation there, I I guess. Yeah. And and I get it. I I get, I I agree with you. Like in a hundred percent, I see what their choices were. I just don't think it worked because I, I think they needed to do a little bit of work with her. Give us take out sure. two take out oh, two sure. minutes of walking through the desert, and give her some sort of personality. Give her something instead of just. She didn't even look that confused when they pulled her out of his cage and put him across a cage. Like her eye, like her nothing changed. So give just do something. Do something. Have her reaching out across the cage to him. Even. Even if we don't have to believe that he's connected, let's let her believe that she's connected and she wants to be with him. I think then there's some agency to her and it's not just, okay, whatever. Yeah, and that's the sad thing is like that. Her role is to be the romantic interest, to be the object, you know, to be treated like the dumb pet. She's, you know, she's his foil. She messes up his, you know, initial plans to communicate through writing and stuff. It's like, oh, this is a darn girl. Right. Um, Yeah, it's... (laughs) It's not, you know, this is, it's the times. It's not great. I, I totally agree. Cause you know, what you just pitched is not that hard to do, but it would go a long way. It doesn't, it doesn't take up a lot of screen time. It doesn't take a lot of shooting, the shooting schedule. I just don't think it was on anybody's mind. I think they were really a lot more focused on their social commentary and getting, you know, the production value all together. That... And listen, they're saying so much already. Like at some point you can't say everything because then you're just throwing at the kitchen sink. And if you're saying everything, you're saying nothing. So like, it's fine. But I just think looking at it now and like actually breaking it down, like very easily could have made that somewhat significant and not feel just like, uh, okay, well, you know, they put us in a cage, so we're just going to keep doing it because we don't, that's just what it is. Yeah, I'd be interested too to see uh, the sequels, like you said, to see if anything happens there. I I tend to doubt it. They don't, they don't have a reputation for being um, more intellectual or taking ideas deeper. So part of me thinks it would actually be worse. I uh, maybe just leave it there. What one more place I want to go to to back up all my points here. So so again with the talent here, and and I I just barely noticed a connection here. We have an Oscar nominated score by Jerry Goldsmith here, who uh, also provided a great score we talked about on Chinatown. So I think you are forever locked into just talking about Jerry Goldsmith composed movies when you're on. We're connected. Year. We're connected. The three of us are connected, Mike. Um, but but the big elephant in the room I teased at, um, and and BPC had mentioned this in. Uh, your episode on the movie that won Best Picture this year, Oliver, uh, directed by Carol Reed, who directed last uh, episode's movie, The Third Man. Um, the, the big point there is uh, 
You know, Oliver wins. Oliver's a divisive Best Picture winner, and, and more divisive is the movie that didn't even get nominated. This is the year that 2001 A Space Odyssey is released, and, and this was kind of my, my roundout point to say, um, you know, we, we have an episode on 2001, and no, no question it's a game changer, and, and 2001 is the movie that took science fiction out of pulp and it took it out of hokiness it made it respectable legitimate the thinking man's genre and that and that is the form not to say like all sci-fi movies are like that after this but you know this is where this is where science fiction goes this is you know where blade runner you know takes it the next step further and you know star wars stays fun but star wars is more fantasy than sci-fi so you know to me that's that's um i'm i'm not comparing planet of the apes to 2001 i'm saying there is this beautiful melding here that where 2001 is you know the the dawn of a new era for this genre planet of the apes i said is kind of this big step forward into saying look we can talk big ideas too but we can be hokey we can have fun and i'm I'm thinking a lot of forbidden planet which is a movie i'm very excited to talk about on the show because i love it but forbidden planet through and through is all the stuff we were kind of saying like thank goodness planet of the apes sidestepped like it, it is the Tin Man robots, like the bad production value, but that's part of the charm. Sure. And, um, you know, for Planet of the Apes to just stand as, you know, kind of that last bastion of how you can kind of blend both worlds, that's the thing that is as many problems as I have with Planet of the Apes, I'm voting it a must because I think it is important in that regard. Yeah, and I, and I think, you know, it's perfect that they come together the same year because, I mean, they're so, so different. But, um, like you said, it's kind of culmination and the start at the same time. So that's, that's you know, t- time's cyclical, right? Exactly. We all wind up at the Statue of Liberty eventually. Exactly. Um, <laughs> well, I, beyond that, Joey, I, th- I feel like I've been able to back up my three points why I recommend the movie to everybody. It, was there anything else on your list that we didn't hit? No, those were the big things. And, you know, you covered a lot of what I had, too. So I feel pretty, um, feel, feel very thorough. Great. Well, we're we're not done yet. There's nothing saying some ideas can't pop up as we do uh, double feature recommendations. So uh, I'll I'll put you first up on this as always, Joey. If you are programming a movie night, Planet of the Apes is on one end. What's going on the other? I had a little bit of trouble with this because I was like, where where do you go from here? And um, for a thousand and one by one, our next director rankings, we're doing Bong Joon-ho just for Best Picture cast. I just recorded Parasite episode uh, eight days ago so very much in that world so actually you know get, getting ready for the 1001 i watched snowpiercer and that the that's the dystopian future that i would pair this with this the bong mm. joon ho um great movie 2013 snowpiercer i i think those very different looks at how Things can go very wrong in how, you know, kind of holding on, ho- holding on to truths and hiding truths from people and what, you know, what that means in stakes. I think they do work well together. You won't feel great, but they work together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And a lot of emphasis on class warfare and structure and, and not devoid of hokiness and fun. Like, it's a exactly. wild movie, but that tone works for it i love snowpiercer that's me too such a great movie um i'm excited to see where that winds up in the rankings when that show happens because that's that is a brutal rankings brutal rankings yeah (laughs) but um oh man i gotta go back and watch that now that's that's a great pairing on so many levels for the tones 
the topics, the fun. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I'm glad you like it. I was like, oh, I hope this isn't too too much. Oh, good. Oh, I love it. I I even like vaguely feel like I've had it as a double feature at some point, but I don't remember on what show. But yeah, I'll I'll always dive in on a gush fest for Snowpiercer. <laughs> Um, so, so my pick, uh, I, I want a very obvious route, um, which I, I tend not to do, but I, I'm doing it because it's my only chance I'm going to get to talk about it on the show. <laughs> and uh, my double feature recommendation is staying in universe. And it is also from 2014. It is Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Now, this is the the middle of the the Andy okay. Circus prequel trilogy, which you said you, you haven't seen. I have not. OK, um, so that's the, that's the second one. OK. Yeah, so uh, so to to give a rundown, I'm gonna go for a minute, but I, I adore the movie. Like I said, this is my only chance to talk on it. So bear go with for me. It. You can roll your eyes as much as you want. If if I was uh, playing by the rules of a thousand one by one, because I know when you guys say a movie does not belong in the book, you've got to have a swap. And and if I was gonna stick with with the Senate Trust vote, this is the movie I would plug in uh, for Planet of the Apes. But I am gonna stick with I think the original deserves its its legacy and its spot. But Dawn of the Planet of the Apes is, is the Planet of the Apes movie that does work for me because um, it is right there in that sweet spot of the trilogy in the middle where the, the exposition and the heavy lifting, heavy lifting got taken care of in the first one. The burden to nail the landing isn't come yet. We're not to the third movie. It gets, it gets to just bask in its ideas and its characters. And um, it's, it's been praised that you know it's, it's a movie where the apes are the really complicated characters and the humans are kind of like the one-dimensional. Like they're well-realized enough. But Andy Serkis knocks it out of the park. There's a guy named Toby Kebbell. He plays um, the bad guy who's another ape called Koba. And I beat the drum. I, I probably still do that I feel he deserved an Oscar nomination. Even though it's a oh, motion wow. capture performance, he's so good. And, and Circus potentially too. But it the I loved this prequels trilogy and um you know these these last two they were directed by Matt Reeves he did Dawn of, of the Batman fame so to cash in on you know how he's been crushing it ever since it's it's a movie that the ideas do get developed with the depth they deserve the the, the depth I wish the ideas were developed in the Charlton Heston one Dawn nails because okay. it's and it's not much longer it's two hours and ten minutes but you you just everybody's still kind of crappy there's there's no like clear-cut good guys and bad guys you you see where the bad guys are coming from um it's captivating the apes are there right away you're not doing any of this waiting for the fucking monkey business (laughs) Um, (laughs) and i i I just love it it's kind of one of those movies that i feel goes unsung not that i'm like the only person that remembers it but I, i take every chance i can get to be like guys we've kind of forgotten about this movie but it's actually incredible the acting's top notch it looks great the visual effects are amazing um i love the story it 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 pairs down the deep ideas to an appropriate number of topics that it can sufficiently develop so i i really do joey recommend this this prequel trilogy to you dawn i think is definitely the strongest i don't think you need to have seen rise to get it but i do think it kind of helps just invest you a little more and rise is good war is good you know, it, it kind of, you know, goes and peaks like Dawn is still the best. But I, I really do recommend it if if this the Charlton Heston one has you saying like, OK, this franchise seems fine. Like, I, I really do recommend you go after that prequel trilogy and definitely let me know what you think if you it, once you finish Dawn, because I think it's actually spectacular filmmaking. Yeah, I, I think I'm definitely going to dive into them before I dive into like the beneath 
the Planet of the Apes. Like, I'm very curious about them now, which I never was before. So, um, you know, especially now with that being your your double feature, I, I think I'm going to get into them a little bit. Yeah. And, and in case I made it sound like too heady and like it's all serious. Also, it features chimpanzees riding horses, dual wielding machine guns, which is just badass and awesome, too. Like, it, it's still doing the tone. Good. Walk That's great. awesome. Yeah, it's it's awesome. So. Yeah, I, I think the, either of those sound like a really fun... Yours actually sounds like a more fun movie <laughs> than Dawn even does, but they're both great movies. And Snowpiercer's always good. Yeah, both from 2014, which I think is really cool. So Yeah, it's awesome. Um, great. Well, with, with that, guys, we'll start winding down. So, um, you know, if, if you're following us on Twitter or Instagram this Thursday, we want to hear what you guys would put into a double feature with Planet of the Apes. I, I think this will be a particularly fun one because we have potential to go into the very thoughtful movies. We have potential to go into the very dumb, fun ones. Maybe ones that meet in the middle. So I'm excited to hear everybody's double feature recs on this. And then uh, the next day on Friday, it's going to be up to you. We've set our piece, but ultimately it's up to you guys, the listeners, to decide if the 1968 Planet of the Apes is truly an essential movie. So be following us on at Cinemas on Twitter and Instagram to cast your vote this Friday. And um, Joey, man, I thank you. I know you say like you've had fun with this rotation. I've had a lot of fun with it too. It, it comes to an end next week. We welcome uh, your BPC co-host, fearless leader, question mark. Uh, Kieran is up last, and you've, uh, you drew that straw. You got to pick for him, and I, I wondered if you could uh, give us kind of a preview of what he's in for. Yeah, so I'm really excited about this one. Um, and and it, this all, this wonderful idea and collaboration of all of us really came into play at a perfect time because this movie started streaming like two weeks before we picked. So after when we were like looking at movies, I, that was one that I was looking at. I was like, all right, just start streaming. It hadn't been streaming for a while. And um, it's whatever happened to Baby Jane. Which is going to be a first time watch for me. This is the only one in the rotation that's a first time for me. That's amazing. So I'm, ex- I'm so excited. I'm excited, <laughs> I'm excited and nervous. And um, Joan Crawford, who we sang the praises of in the Mildred Pierce episode with Grant. So she's coming back. She's the, the MVP of this game we've been playing. Yeah. yeah and, you know, it's it's a really... I'm a big fan of it. I think it's a really cool movie. I think it does a lot of, lot of interesting things, and it just kind of goes balls to the wall. So, and I hope you guys like it. Um, you know, I'll be, be, when you and Kieran record, I'll, I'll give more of my thinking why, you know, why I made the choice. But um, you know, ultimately, is you know, I, I, you know, we we all kind of agreed that we wouldn't make anybody watch Salo. Um, so we're, you know, we're, we're all being really nice to each other here where I'm hoping the next time we're all really mean to each other. But, um, you know, I would ultimately, like when I first started my list, I was like, all right, what are like, what are like uh, some really good movies that I don't know that I, you know, I don't know that Kieran, don't think that Kieran's seen that I was like, all right, what do I really want to hear Kieran and Mike break down? And that was really, you know, a big part of how I got to where I got I hope we don't disappoint. Um, how icky am I going to feel by the end? Um, you're going to feel great. Awesome. Super fun. Happy times. Awesome. Yeah. All happy. You're going to, you know, you're going to go to bed. You're going to sleep like a sleep, like a baby. Um, be, you're not going to be sending me, um, late night texts ready to kill me. (laughs) I mean, I do that anyway. It's just our thing, you know? (laughs) Well, that's, you know, listen, that's just how relationships are built. Yep. All right. Well, 
Uh, thanks. I, I'm looking forward to your intro on the next episode. And thank you for talking through the Planet of the Apes with me. Um, one more time, you're part of three amazing podcasts. Can you plug them one more time and tell us where we can find them? Yes. Best Picture Cast. We are at Best Picture Cast everywhere at 1001 by 1. At 1001 by 1. We keep the names easy. And then Worst Picture Cast. We are at Worst Pick Cast on Twitter. So we are around. We're active. And I personally am at Joey0314. Always happy to engage, talk about movies, and make fun of fake movie critics on Twitter who piss me off. Yeah, any, any uh, you know, if, if you are a Planet of the Apes fanatic and we've dumped on it, send all of your complaints to Joey. He can take it. He, uh, he bears oh, himself please. with the pride and dignity of a true orangutan. Hell yeah, I'm ready to take <laughs> it and make fun of you back. I'm, I'm uh, here. I'm here for it. All right, man. Well, well, thank you so much. I, I hope to have you back on. I, I know we're, we're covering double duty, you know, 1001 by one. You're going through the same list we are. So it uh, means a lot to have you on, man. And I, I hope to have you back soon. Oh, man, I hope to be back. I, I always love recording with you. I love your show. So, um, you know, I'm super honored to be a part of it. And thank you very much. Ditto. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. And I damn you all to hell. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>